Hello and welcome to the Hashtag Symbio podcast. I'm your host Zishan Siddiqui and today's theme is computational biology and we've got a great episode lined up. The entire scientific community for the past week or two has been talking about how AlphaFold 2 has changed the landscape of biology forever. Some are even comparing it to the first draft of the human genome sequence 20 years ago. And I think one of the most groundbreaking things is that DeepMind released the source code and details of how it was constructed for free. So to help me understand how exactly AlphaFold 2 works and how it's being applied in the real world right now, I've invited a friend of mine, Charlie Harris, onto the show. Charlie is currently finishing off his master's degree in bioinformatics and theoretical systems biology at Imperial College London, where he is working with Professor Michael Bronstein looking into generative models for structure-based drug design. Charlie is also the chair and founder of the Imperial College Computational Biology Society, and he's also about to start a PhD at the University of Cambridge Centre for AI in Medicine. I hope you're as excited as I am for this episode, so let's dive right in, starting with Charlie explaining what the CASP competition is all about. Yeah, so CASP is sort of basically, think about it as the academic equivalent of the Olympic Games. So about sort of 25 years ago, lots of people were beginning to write algorithms to predict protein structures, but there was never really any fair comparison between people because, you know, people would just cherry pick data and whatnot. So they decided to make this competition called CASP, which stands for Critical Assessment of Protein Structure Prediction. And incidentally, if you're sort of in the structural bioinformatics community, this has actually spawned uh, lots of different other, you know, competitions, one to predict thermal stability, one to predict ligand binding, all of a similar sort of name. Basically, the premise of it is that somewhere, you know, some experimentalists predict some structures, but they don't make the structures publicly available uh, until the end of the competition. All they do is they, the CASP organizers just release the sequences, then all the sort of uh, competitors in the competition, there's usually about 100 people, use their algorithms, predict protein structures. Again, they don't actually know what the target structure should be. So it's a fair blind competition. Everyone submits it and then they score, you know, who got the best. And so basically DeepMind went from, you know, virtually no work in biology uh, when they entered a second last CASP a couple of years ago and, you know, got the the best uh, results out of everyone there. And these are people who've spent, you know, their whole uh, career trying to do this one problem. (laughs) But it, it kind of really wasn't a surprise. You know, people looked at their methods and it was kind of how people have been thinking that we would do this in a long time. They just kind of took methodologies that everyone was thinking of using, got a good team together, a lot of computational resources and just did it. And, you know, they did, you know, fractionally better uh, than everyone else, but still, you know, obviously at the top. Yeah. For me personally, AlphaFold 2 is absolutely fascinating for a number of reasons and innovations. And they broadly fall into two. One, there's sort of the technical innovation camp. uh, And there's also sort of, I think this is really a sign of what's to come sort of with computational biology. It definitely is a sign of what's to come. Okay, so now let's dive into the technical side of things. But before we get into AlphaFold 2, I asked Charlie to explain how AlphaFold 1 works first. Essentially, what they all did was they would take multiple sequence information and use this to predict uh, constraints within the structure or infer straight constraints from the structure, I should say. Um, and how it did this would be, if you imagine if you, if you have a, a multiply aligned sequences of related proteins of the same family, this actually gives you a lot of information um, about the structure. How does that work? 
Imagine if you have two residues along the sequence that are very far along the sequence, but when the structure folds into its shape, those residues become very close together in space. And that's essentially what's very hard about this structure prediction problem is you have to predict, okay, which residues very far apart along the sequence form this interaction when it collapses down into the structure. Uh, and having these multiply aligned sequences actually gives you a lot of this information. And how it does that is through a principle called coevolution. So if you can imagine two residues that are close together when the structure um, is folded, obviously there's some sort of interaction between them that's needed to stabilize the structure. And if you can imagine throughout evolution, if one of those residues was to mutate to a, another residue, so say, for example, you had a positive residue and a negative residue forming some sort of interaction together to stabilize the structure, one of those amino acids mutated to the other charge, then all of a sudden that protein would become destabilized, not fold properly, and that organism would die off and we wouldn't see it uh, in our genetics databases at the moment. By exploiting this uh, coevolutionary principle, we can see that if two amino acids actually mutate together at the same time, that actually uh, lets us infer information about the structure so that we know that these two residues are close together in space. And now let's hear about how AlphaFold 2 works. There's a lot of interesting computer science being applied towards protein structure prediction. So I asked Charlie to dive deep into some of the machine learning concepts and modules applied in AlphaFold 2. So AlphaFold 2 is actually a completely different beast in the sense that it will actually go straight from this sequence or multiple sequence alignment to predicting the three-dimensional Cartesian coordinates in one go uh, with no other sort of folding, non-deep learning folding process in the pipeline. And so to give a kind of a high-level overview, how it works is there are three different steps or called the modules usually. So there's a pre-processing module, the middle module, which is they call the Evo formula. I'll explain what that is in a minute. And finally, the structure module, which fills out the overall structure. So at the beginning in the pre-processing module, again, we start with the, uh, the MSA, uh, multiple sequence alignment. Uh, this is embedded. This is basically just machine learning way of saying that we turn this discrete variable, which is, you know, the presence or absence of a particular amino acid at a single position uh, into a continuously distributed uh, embedding vector, which basically just makes it a lot easier for machine learning algorithms to work. And the information is much richer as well. And again, this MSA contains all the coevolutionary information I explained earlier. Uh, the other pre-processing step as well is it uses templates. So I should explain that a big part of protein structure prediction until recently was actually relied very heavily on these templates on the sort of hypothesis that if you have a protein structure for a homologous protein uh, already known in the PDB, then it's very likely that the structure you're trying to predict is very similar to this template. So this template basically helps you solve the problem a lot more by using this uh, template information. I won't go into it, but this is also embedded uh, in its own way, to basically uh, a matrix, a pair representation matrix. So for every possible amino acid, amino acid interaction, that's uh, embedded uh, into this matrix as well. And I should actually say that what's quite interesting here is uh, in the, if you look at the paper, they perform what's called an ablation study. So quite often with these sort of new machine learning uh, models that say have, you know, 10 novel uh, mechanisms in them, um, it's actually quite hard to sort of interpret, okay, what's actually, uh, you know, giving us the good performance and what's, you know, giving the good information or not. And so we perform what's called an ablation study, which basically means they'll run this, they'll train the models they did before, but they'll just remove, say, one or two of the mechanisms to see uh, how much that decreases the performance. And actually, you know, to our surprise, really, that 
seems like these templates really aren't giving much information. Uh, I will should I say I'm improving the accuracy of the model at all. Most of it's coming from multiple sequence alignment, um, but that was quite interesting. So obviously a very big caveat here is that uh, at the moment, all of these models, including AlphaFold 2, uh, obviously relies very heavily on this co-evolutionary information that I mentioned, which means that you need uh, to be able to construct multiple sequence alignment from your query protein, which of course means that these models aren't very good at predicting the structures of de novo proteins, uh, proteins that we've uh, designed from scratch and don't have any evolutionarily related proteins that we can use to construct a multiple sequence alignment. So obviously for de novo protein design, this is a huge area of future work. Um, but to be fair, I, I have seen a few anecdotal examples online of people getting quite good results um, predicting the structures of their de novo designed proteins. Anyway, once the, once the multiple sequence alignment, the templates are embedded, it then passes through uh, what they call the EvoFormer uh, module which uh, I believe is meant to mean evolutionary transformer. Before I should proceed, I should probably explain what a transformer is. So a transformer is a machine learning model commonly used in uh, natural language processing. And again, the reason why they've been essentially so powerful in the world of NLP is again, because it relies very heavily on attention. So if you can imagine, if you're trying to translate a sentence from one language to another, say when you're trying to predict the first word of your translated sentence, it, it could well be that, that translating that first word, you actually need to both look at, say, the first two words of that sentence, or sometimes in languages as well, say, the uh, whether it's past or present tense actually depends on the last word in the language. And so, again, there's this attention mechanism that can look to see uh, how much should I be paying attention to each part of the input data. So, again, that brings us back to EvoFormer or Evolution Transformer which as the name suggests is, is kind of a bit like a or inspired by the transformer model, but really is basically trying to extract all the evolutionary information that we have from the multiple sequence alignment using these attention mechanisms. But what's actually happening again during this module is it's not, this part isn't predicting the 3D coordinates, but it's basically generating a structural hypothesis for what uh, it thinks the final structure should look like. And it kind of does that in this new approach, which I think is really interesting, is basically this two-track approach. So usually with these machine learning models, you just have, uh, you know, one sort of track that all the information flows through to predict the final output. So again, uh, before AlphaFold 2, all these models would just have one track. It would take the sort of co-evolutionary data as input. It will flow all the way through one model and just predict these structural constraints as output. What the EvoFormer has is this two-track approach which is basically one track is for the multiple sequence alignment and the other track is for the pair representation. So again, that means a three, I think it's a three-dimensional tensor, again, representing the every single possible amino acid, amino acid interaction and the properties that it thinks it has between. Uh, and so that's basically a way of saying the it's an encoding for the structure of the module. So at every step of the pair representation within the module is actually the, the model's best guess for what the current structural hypothesis is. And so again, Evo Transformer, obviously like the Transformer, heavily relies on attention. So there's actually quite a few different types of attention in, in this model and some very clever attention mechanisms, which I won't fully explain all of them, but this is to say that in the classical Transformer, Obviously, the attention is very powerful, but very computationally draining, because if you're considering the possible weights between uh, every single entity in a sequence, all the computing power that you need is going to increase with the square uh, of the length of the sequence, obviously. This leads to very large computational costs, 
which would be very prohibitive if you're trying to do something like this. And so I, I simplify it a bit, but they've made some very clever retention mechanisms, which basically reduce this computational cost uh, significantly. And I think, again, from my interpretation of the paper is that it gets it down to a sort of uh, almost linear computational scaling as well, which is very impressive. There is um, attention both within these two tracks. So within the multiple sequence alignment track, there's attention between all the sort of positions, uh, why that's important. And there's also uh, attention within the pair representation as well. But most importantly, there is actually attention between these two tracks. So what does this mean? So this means that every single layer within this Evo transformer block, the multiple sequence alignment will process some information using attention in that part which will figure out some sort of new evolutionary information. And then that new evolutionary information, which's been found out in the MSA track, that new information is then transferred via retention to the, I'll call it the structure uh, track, but again, it's the pair representation. And so that will then update the structural, the current structural hypothesis in that track. And then once that's been updated, there's a tension going back to the other way, which can then uh, update and form more decisions in the MSA block. I mean, what I've just described really has actually been five or six different uh, different attention mechanisms. But one of them that I think is very interesting, and I should explain, is in the pair representation block, they make something called triangle attention, which I, I won't go into too much, but basically it allows these sort of distance distributions, which ultimately these models are trying to predict, uh, is a very clever way of constraining it to work in three-dimensional space, which has been a problem up to now as well. And so finally, going to the structure module. Uh, again, this basically takes the current structural hypothesis that was generated by the Evo transformer uh, into a list of just 3D coordinates. Um, and I'm gonna gloss over a lot of details, but in short, it basically treats the free at backbone atoms in every single residue uh, basically, it's a triangular gas molecule, and they slowly sort of, through an iterative uh, process, refine positions of these gas to predict the final structure. Again, using a very clever attention mechanism, which I'm really not going to go into the detail to, but I've called a uh, invariant point attention, which basically that is to say that it's a type of attention that uh, is very suited to work in on 3D structures mostly because it's invariance and rotations and translations. And then finally as well, the model uh, builds out side chains. And then finally at the end, you might have some sort of steric clashes uh, between the atoms in the side chain. So there's a very small amount of amber force field, which is just a classical force field, which basically just relaxes the structure for a very short period of time just to remove these steric clashes. And also something else I didn't mention actually is kind of this idea that Alpha 4.2 relies on which is this idea of, I believe they call it self-supervised learning. Basically, you can imagine one of the principles in machine learning, which has been very interesting recently, is this idea of self-supervised learning, which is basically where you learn from a whole bunch of unlabeled training data, and then to basically learn the distribution of that data. And then at the end, you train with a very small amount of labeled training data to actually learn what the labels are. So in the context of, say, you know, image recognition, if you're trying to classify whether an image is either a dog or a cat, obviously there are far more images of dogs and cats out there that aren't labeled. You know, human hasn't actually manually gone through and labeled them versus label training data. So in the context of structure prediction, we have all of these, uh, we have all this unlabeled training data, which is the sort of exponentially growing databases of sequences that we're getting from all this next generation sequencing technology that we don't actually have a label for, by which I mean, you know, a three-dimensional structure in this case. Um, and so one of the very interesting things that AlphaFold does is it's actually able to learn 
okay, what is actually the distribution of sort of, I guess this is a bit of a hand wavy argument, but what is the distribution of protein structures from this unlabeled sequence data? And then at the end, you use a very small amount of labeled sequence data, which is basically, you know, sequences in the PDB uh, to actually learn, okay, what are the labels? What are actually these sequences? What structure do they make at the end? And I should also say that, you know, this is really not just a fantastic piece of science, but a fantastic piece of engineering. When you actually look and you read the paper, you read how detailed it is, you think of, gosh, you know, if this is what they came up with, I don't want to know how many different models or approaches they had to go through to get to this point, you know? If you would like to learn more about some of these modules or about some of the science that Charlie explained, I have linked the Nature Methods paper, Highly Accurate Protein Structure Prediction with AlphaFold, in the show description. I also understand that these aren't the easiest concepts to grasp, hence I've also linked a few blog posts that Charlie and I found really helpful in explaining some of the science behind AlphaFold too. Moving on, I now ask Charlie about whether he or anyone else has used AlphaFold 2 to inform real-world research and whether I could use it right now. Um, but what happened uh, the day after the methods paper was actually released, uh, I, I forget his exact, I get his full name, but it was a chap called Sergey from, I believe, Harvard, I actually coded up a Google Colab notebook, which is kind of just like a Jupyter uh, notebook, but hosted. Uh, on the cloud where you can actually have free access to sort of uh, deep learning uh, computational resources, so like GPUs, TPUs. Uh, and he actually had a working version of AlphaFold uh, already within 24 hours uh, up on there, which was incredibly exciting. And I, you know, I should preface this by saying that it was kind of a slightly sort of simplified version of AlphaFold, but still uh, nearly, nearly just as good. So what it didn't allow for was I believe it didn't allow, allow for the use of templates, which again, I explained, uh, isn't actually the end of the world at the moment. And I think it does now, but initially it didn't have amber relaxation, but it does now. Um, but the biggest caveat was that it doesn't construct multiple sequence alignments in exactly the same way as it does for AlphaFold. So for AlphaFold, they actually construct their multiple sequence alignments from absolutely ginormous sequence databases that no one was really using before for structural prediction because the kind of the thought was that we should have less high quality data. Whereas I think DeepMind have actually gone, no, stuff it, more data is, is good data. And then our model can kind of learn, you know, what is the, the wheat from the chaff, as they say. And so that was great. So literally within 24 hours, people, you know, myself included, were predicting structures um, with AlphaFold 2 whilst everyone was waiting to download the, uh, the absolutely ginormous sequence databases uh, that you need to construct it. And it's another personal story. I'm, I'm actually advising the, uh, do you know the International Direct Evolution Competition? Yep, IDEC and... Yeah, uh, IDEC. Yeah. Yep, IDEC. So, yeah, Imperial has a team for that who I'm sort of uh, informally advising. And so I very, you know, they've, they're basically trying to work for a protein that doesn't have a known structure. And so over the last month, I've been helping them with structure prediction stuff. Uh, so I predicted a structure using AlphaFold 2 very quickly and gave it to them within sort of 24 hours of paper coming out. So I like to sort of uh, informally boast that I actually was the uh, first person to be uh, use it and uh, to inform real world uh, wet lab work. That's probably not true, but I just I just like to say it anyway. But no, since then, DeepMind have kind of cotted onto this a bit. And I think they've, uh, they've actually within quite recently actually made their own uh, collab notebook. Uh, to use it, which is even uh, more simpler to use. So I'd highly recommend everyone checks it out. 
Ever since the release of the AlphaFold 2 methods paper, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, and I, I feel this has really transformed the landscape of biological research. But I don't think anyone was really sure of just how quickly AlphaFold 2 would be deployed into real world research. However, on the 22nd of July 2021, DeepMind and EBI announced a partnership. And I asked Charlie to explain what exactly this means. DeepMind and the EBI, which is the uh, European Bioinformatics Institute, sort of made a joint release statement saying that they had actually used AlphaFold to predict uh, virtually all of the roughly 20,000 proteins in the human proteome uh, and the whole proteomes of about 20 uh, model organisms as well. And then I'll put a bit of a caveat on that later. Um, but this is, you know, obviously I'm sure I don't need to explain absolutely huge news for sort of bio, bio, biomedical and biological oh, research. Yeah, uh, in general, in humans. yeah, even... Um, yeah, because even Bernie, the EMBL EBI director, was like, this will be one of the most important data sets since the mapping of the human genome. I mean, just to just to give you an idea of you know how profound this is. So when I say nearly all of the 20,000 human proteins, so the way that we usually measure these things is, you know, quite often when we predict a structure, we're not able to actually predict coordinates for every single residue in the structure. So maybe there are some flexible loops or something we're not able to you know build build atoms into or you know we're only able to solve single domains or single subunits within a very large protein complex uh, and it's exactly the same uh, with our fold too as well so the way we usually measure these things is what percentage of all the residues in the proteome do we have coordinates for and so as of two days ago that number was about 13 percent of all residues uh, in the human proteome with the database that was released, number went out to, I forget the exact number, but it was, it was roughly sort of 50, it might've been 56% of uh, the residues and the human protein. So we're talking about an order of magnitude or nearly an order of magnitude overnight increase in here and, and you know, the amount of biology we're able to do. And, you know, this is the whole field of biology has basically been in human research and those 20 organisms has been completely transformed. You know, this is really just the start. I think DeepMind really aims to basically predict a structure for every single sequence that we have. And so they're aiming for 100 million plus structures, which again, you know, I'm sure a lot will be made about how good these structures are and how, you know, when they are reliable, when they aren't. But this, I mean, this is going to be absolutely, considering that the PDB is at what, 150,000 odd? This oh is, God. you know, absolutely transformational. And also for me personally, what I'm really excited about is, and again, you always need to be very careful about using synthetic data in your training data sets. But for me, from a machine learning perspective, the amount of training data that we're going to have available to us uh, very, very soon is just um, absolutely mind-boggling. AlphaFold 2 is definitely a game-changer, and I'm really excited to see what happens next. I'm also curious to understand some of the areas where AlphaFold 2 didn't perform as well and where they need to improve. You know, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to take away from the, the achievement that DeepMind's uh, kind of achieved here. Um, but really, CASP is kind of designed to, I guess, kind of simplify the problem in protein structure production in the sense that, you know, really to fully understand protein structure, there are a lot of, you know, it's a very, it's a very deep and complicated topic. And the way that they kind of set the, the challenges and the competition is, is kind of basically, for most of the targets, just predict uh, small, what are called single domain protein. So I you know, should just very quickly explain for the audience that don't understand when a protein folds uh, into its chain, 
kind of imagine that each part of the chain kind of folds into its own blob, uh, which are called single domains. And then these, dom these blobs or domains come together to form the overall structure as well. Um, and now fold two is near, basically perfect at predicting these structure, the structure of these sort of domains, um, but it's not always perfect at predicting how these domains come together. And so, you know, I'm sure give it, give it the next CASP competition and, you know, hopefully they'll have that one sort down, but that's a big area of uh, future work. Another area which has actually the last couple of days been very interesting is that is of predicting protein complexes, which uh, AlphaFold2 doesn't, you know, attempt to do. Um, but with a huge caveat of something that I've seen very interesting in the recent days is that people online have actually, to predict uh, homo oligomers or homo dimers, which are basically just, you know, uh, complexes where every subunit is, is made up of the same chain. And what they actually did was basically introduce a huge uh, linker sequence, which doesn't fold up into any structure between the two subunits. So it's basically one sequence, but they basically just glued two sequences together with these huge linker sequences. And then if you discard, it will basically predict the structure of this complex uh, together. And then if you just ignore the huge loop region that's going around it, people have actually been finding that Fold2 actually does pretty well at predicting these homo complexes, which is very interesting. The two other last big ones is that of, again, more broadly protein interactions, both as I mentioned with other proteins uh, and also with ligands as well. Uh, this is something that, you know, I'm really hopeful that DeepMind will work on, but I think particularly for drug discovery and protein design, something there's a lot of interesting work to be done. And I think really to solve those two problems properly, you need to understand or start trying to uh, figure out the problem of protein dynamics. It plays a large part in how proteins sort of really function and interact with other molecules. And it's something I no doubt DeepMind are <laughs> very much so thinking of working on. And I kind of just wanted to add on here that these predictions that DeepMind are making are so good that I think really it's going to make us fundamentally ask the question of, okay, what exactly is protein structure going to be now? And are these models that, you know, AlphaFold2 are predicting really kind of going to be good enough? And if, if it sounds like I'm trying to be picky or splitting hairs here, it, it kind of because I'm, I am, but I sort of, I say it from a position of, of tough love. Uh, so I think really these methods of AlphaFold2 is probably going to come to complement a lot of the other experimental methods that we have. So for example, I saw a recent example of basically a cryo-EM structure of a protein, which sort of forms two stable states. And the cryo-EM is able to predict both of those states. Uh, but basically AlphaFold just predicts uh, an intermediate of these two states. Basically what I'm trying to say is that the structures that we're now getting are so good that I think we're going to have so much more that we've basically solved the problem of, you know, figuring out what a static structure is. But I think that now that that problem has been solved, we really need to move to the idea of actually understanding what a protein structure is in terms of, you know, how it moves. And so it's dynamics, how it interacts with other molecules. And I think in the future, we're going to see a much more sort of richer understanding of protein structure. Understanding protein structure has been a challenge for academia for 50-odd years, and DeepMind, a private company, has solved it in a way. The final question that I asked Charlie is about what he thinks this means for the future with regards to the convergence of synthetic biology, technology, and artificial intelligence. Can we see more and more private companies getting involved? 
it's very interesting when you look at the team that's been assembled at DeepMind, which is this private you know, research organization with a team of obviously brilliant computer scientists, but also a mix of people who have a very deep understanding of the protein structure, such as uh, John Jumper uh, and a couple of others. Um, but I think this is really sort of symbolic of what we're going to see uh, happening very soon. And to be honest, it's, it's already happening. So within the last couple of days, Max Welling, who is sort of a world-leading computer scientist from the University of Amsterdam, kind of again in graph neural networks and also has recently been doing some very interesting work uh, in graph neural networks that are endowed with sort of equivariances and various geometries that is all to basically say that machine learning models that are very well endowed to working with the simulation of uh, molecules just in the last couple of days has actually announced that he is joining Microsoft Research and Microsoft Research are actually opening a brand new hub in Amsterdam, focusing on problems to do with molecular simulation. I mean, you know, even yesterday, like I read a paper and I looked at where the authors were from and they were from something like the Toyota Research Institute or something. And then a couple of others who I won't name, but, you know, very big established conventional tech companies are now going uh, headfirst into trying to solve problems in structural biology as well. DeepMind's work and success in protein structure prediction shows how exciting of a time it is to be part of biology and science in general. New doors will be opened to aid our understanding of the fundamental mechanisms behind certain diseases, as well as so many wider applications in biotech, agriculture, food science, and of course, synthetic biology. I'm excited about the next phase of AlphaFold's journey, but even more excited to see the global scientific community coming together and making use of all the open access software to accelerate their research and to remove barriers to entry in science, which will in turn help accelerate global scientific discovery. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share and check out our website, igem.fm, that is igem.fm. Thanks once again for tuning in. See you at the next episode.